Disney kind of kind of gets to it kind of gets to like benefit almost off of its dark path. Welcome back to I'm the Villain. So on this episode, if you are on Black Twitter or TikTok or any of these platforms, you've probably seen all of these videos of like these reaction videos of these cute little babies watching like, you know, the Little Mermaid trailer. Yeah, those are really <laughs> cute. Very wholesome. So wholesome. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about Disney and like how Disney has kind of really made a big comeback from its like super problematic history dude <laughs> people are so invested do you want to hear my my counterculture theory about this okay what is it i'm like kind of skeptical that many people were mad at the little mermaid thing at all you know like i saw you know dozens if not hundreds of posts about like bashing on people for being mad about the little mermaid but I never saw one post of someone actually being like, you know, criticizing the choice. Have you seen posts like that or have you just seen like response? Well, I mean, I assume that's just because that's how algorithms work, right? It's only going to show right. you the people who are going to agree with you more than the people who are going to disagree, right? I guess. But I feel like it's just as plausible that like. They don't exist. That, Yeah. <laughs> that like one person made like a stupid comment and then like you know that's what the whole internet became like reactions to that one i or guess two. there's not a super good way of knowing for us like unless you worked right. at instagram or tiktok or whatever yeah. like you don't none of us know objectively how many posts there are like i don't even know if it's like a tiktok or something unless they actually put in the hashtag how you even figure that out yeah. you know i yeah i'm wondering if it's like you know there's so much like manufactured outrage uh outrage. The outrage machine right like what if we're being what if we're victims to it right now well but whatever even if we are like what is the worst case scenario there's actually nobody mad uh, about black ariel and we're like Oh my god, like you know, you guys are she's a whatever, she's a fish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so let's just set the stage. Yeah. Let's just explain what happened. So, you know, Disney came out with its ad for the new Ariel movie, which is a live action, and the person that they cast as Ariel is black. Her name is Hallie. Yeah. Haley, Hallie. You know how to pronounce Haley. her name? Oh, Hallie. Chloe and Chloe and Hallie. Chloe and Haley. Haley, I think is her okay. name. Haley Bailey. Because people were all confusing her with Halle Berry. Yeah, not the yes. same. Not the same. Um, yeah. She is one half of like the somewhat popular R&B duo, Chloe and Haley. I didn't realize that she was already popular. Yeah, she she has a music career already. Okay. Um, with, I think like, I don't know if, if it's her sister or her cousin. I'm pretty sure they're related. Um, so she was really like a little bit of like an established entertainer slash singer. And um, yeah, I mean, she's black and <laughs> um, and real or not, there is a perception of outrage from some people around this. Because like um, it is, I guess, not true to <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the funny thing is that like 
you know, I mean, most of these Disney, like these old school Disney movies, you know, like the Disney princess movies are some kind of like take on a tale that already existed. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Like they're like, you know, some kind of like a take on like a myth or some folklore or whatever. I don't like Hans Christian Anderson. Yeah. So, you know, when you, when you look at like the little mermaid as a reference material, it's like almost a little silly in of itself because the little mermaid is itself a remake. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, you know, these are all remakes. Apparently it was, just, it, yeah, the little mermaid is a Hans Christian Anderson tale. Got it. So, you know, I mean like was the guy named Hans probably imagining the mermaid in his story being white? Probably. <laughs> but, but but maybe not you know and also it doesn't really matter is the real question mm-hmm. i mean the answer is no we know the answer is no to mm-hmm. that. and that's not where we're you know the whole podcast is not going to be like but the thing that i appreciate about what this discourse around the little mermaid is doing is it's getting people to go look back through the archives and look at all of the fucked up shit that has been in disney movies since day one you know right like i yeah. think the best example is the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like, could anyone, a person who was pitching this movie today, ever get this past a board of Pixar, Disney, <laughs> whatever, like, to get approved? You know? <laughs> I think I know where you're, what you're getting at, but what what, ex- what what parts of the film do you feel like are the issues okay. here? So, I, you know, literally watched it probably when I was, like, I don't know, five years old, right? I haven't watched uh-huh. it since. But, I'm going to look up the plot synopsis. Yeah. There's like a scene in there where the guy who is the evil villain, I think his name is not Frodo, but something that sounds like Frodo. Frollo. Uh-huh. So like there's if it like, you know, obviously there's the hunchback and every like that, that like in and of itself is. I mean, yes, yes, maybe it, maybe someone could pitch it as like, a, oh, some disabled representation or whatever. But like, clearly that's sure. not what they were trying to do, I think, <laughs> in whatever this was published, the 90s. And like the actual original novel apparently was in 1831. So it makes sense how if you're making stories that were literally written like centuries ago that it's not going to really shape up to more modern whatever political sensibilities, right? Sure. Um, But yeah, there's a scene in there where he's literally singing about how Esmeralda, the gypsy, is like so seductive. She's like the seductress and like, you know, because he can't have her or whatever, he's got to kill her. Like, <laughs> like she's literally like he's he's like this this guy who's in the church and he's like being like she's the devil. She's trying to tempt me into sin. So she's got to die. You know? <laughs> um, Which is literally like, you know, what they probably did think in 1831. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot about this right? part. It's been, it's been such a long time since I watched this movie. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, the, I mean, one of the, the lines on Wikipedia says, uh, <laughs> the film is considered to be one of Disney's darkest animated films due to its mat- mature subject matter, such as infanticide, lust, damnation, anti-zygonism. What's that? What's anti-zygonism? It's not Zionism? 
no Zygonism. It's an anti. Oh, it's oh, it's anti-Romani statements. Like, um, you know, the phrase, the word that you just used, the G word, is like kind of a slur against Romani people. <laughs> wait, wait, what is? Oh, gypsy. Gypsy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, genocide and sin, despite the changes made from the original source material in order to ensure a G rating from the MPAA. <laughs> so they like they like toned down the darkness to make it into a kids movie but it's oh still, they did apparently. so there was like an actually worse edit of it no i think that like the source material though the novel oh. is is much darker it would seem okay gotcha yeah no but i i think you're right though i mean like this is i mean just like the concept of the movie right mm-hmm. is like the dude who you know like has some like developmental disabilities mm-hmm like is not is not worth nothing (laughs) and like i i think it kind of plays into maybe these interesting like this interesting conversation around like how has our thinking around what the goal and aim and like what you should be optimizing for when you are creating stories for children supposed to be right because Mm -hmm. like you could say that back then whenever like whenever we're writing some of these original stories that we were way more um you know we weren't coddling our kids at all it was like the kind of mentality you know like you know the 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 whole mindset that's like oh you should give kids like knives and stuff because they can actually figure out pretty fast like you know how to deal with danger and stuff like that and that actually produced more like healthy kids who have a healthy understanding of risk right yeah. And, you know, you shouldn't shield them from stuff like dark topics because actually, you know, there's tons of stuff in Disney movies. There's tons of death. There's tons of parents dying. There's tons of like all this stuff. Right. Right. And I wonder, I mean, like, I don't know. I'm like, are, is Disney like, are they still making movies that are like are, are appealing to this demographic that um, that, you know, the Hunchback of Notre Dame was appealing to? Is my question. I can think of like Frozen, right? Mm-hmm. Is there anything more recent that came out? Well, like a lot of their new, there's like Encanto. You're right. You're right. You're yeah, right, they're right, totally, right. they come up with probably like a new big movie pretty much every year. You're right. So, yeah. So they're still kind of like catering to this, like to this demographic. But I think, yeah, I mean, I think you can make an argument that the subject matter is like maybe a little um, less stark. Although, but, you know, I don't know, like, but also, Coco but also, had like, you really, know, in, like, intense um, death themes, too. Yeah, Coco, I mean, Coco's about dead people. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's about, like, you know, his, like, his dad was murdered. And, like, trying to, like, figure out who you are compared to what your family wants you to be and stuff like that. Like, it is pretty, like, I think they actually really do a good job of having it be serious. But, like, there's this finesse around how to be ser- serious, but, like, also not trying to instill things that are you know like prejudices and stuff yeah i mean there's i think there's a middle line right it seems like um you know i think i think like the question of would the story of the hunchback of notre dame like be retold ever like would they ever remake it for example Mm -hmm. i think you're right i think the answer would be no just because it's too much right Like, like there's too many kind of like dark and like problematic themes running through the whole thing but i do think that disney yeah especially with movies like um like 
and Kanto and Coco and like things like, you know, in that realm mm-hmm. have done a pretty good job of like interweaving a lot of the same themes, right? Like of death, mm-hmm. of loss, of like not being accepted or whatever in a way that is more like quote unquote family friendly. But I, but I don't think they pull punches, mm-hmm. you know, or at least when the movies that I'm thinking of, I'm not seeing, you know, I don't see a lot of like, you know, it doesn't feel like like a sugary interpretation interpretation of problems i guess i mean maybe it does i don't know like i I, kind of going into this episode my stance was really like it is so difficult for disney to go wrong now given how terrible they were before because it feels so easy like the formula of just you know pick (laughs) a new culture and like you know have the story be about like literally as long as they represent any non-white culture or even i mean even frozen was white but like they kind of like did more of the due diligence to really try to incorporate elements of like you know the norwegian culture or whatever right yeah no i agree i think that they're i mean certainly they're writing on a formula here Mm -hmm. right i mean like after i watched encanto i thought it was like pretty good i didn't think it was like revolutionary like a lot of you know a lot of people seem to feel about it and it Largely in part because I'm like, okay, I'm I'm really starting to clearly see this for me now, right? Like, this, like, (laughs) you really did nail on the head. Like, let's pick a culture, you know, let's, like, hone in on some aspect of this culture Mm -hmm. and let's make a movie out of it. Yeah. You know, like, you know, like, let's, like, pick Dia de los Muertos and, like, make a a cool movie about that. And, like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's ultimately, like, good for representation no it's definitely good it's just like it's it's not difficult like you know it's It's not difficult yeah but but i do think that and they get and they get to win a lot of points you're right like they get to be like we brought on like these people from like that are like actually part of this culture to make this movie right like moana like there was definitely you know there were actual hawaiian people right or what i don't know where it was actually supposed to take place or whatever because i didn't watch that movie but like pacific islander pacific islander culture yeah i don't know and it does seem like those people who get into those, you know, who kind of have their big break as a voice actor in one of these movies, like often they do actually go on to have pretty successful careers. Like it does actually help elevate those people in the writer culture. Yeah, no, I think it's I think the only real argument there are, there are only a couple of real like negative um, arguments that, that can be made against this, like this trend, right, of like picking culture and doing the thing. And I think it's. I think it one big one is like, okay, you know, at the end of the day, it's still just Disney, right? Just profiting off of these cultures. And two, like, you know, like, are we like running down the slippery slope of like, you know, this is kind of, this is kind of far off, but like, are we running down a slippery slope of like letting Disney control the way that these cultures are like being perceived in the mainstream media? But like, unless they're actually upset about it, which it doesn't seem like, I haven't heard a lot of discourse where they're like, oh, you totally did this badly because they do have the money to actually go do and really make sure they do their due diligence. Right. Yeah. And right now they, and are. they are. I think it's I think it's because they know that, you know, you know, they know that like the movie would be torn apart in today's climate. If they and I think that the probably my guess is that the people who work at Disney like are legitimately really passionate about it and trying to do a good job. And it is just more gratifying to do a really thorough good job than to wing it and they don't need to wing it you know right yeah yeah you know yeah i but i i 
I think the ick just comes from for me, just like okay, this is this is you know just a giant a giant corporation. Yeah, but here's the thing, like the alternatives to what kids are consuming these days, like seem like just mindless trash. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you know, like you've seen all of these like you know YouTube videos and like you know whatever. The like kids the weird, are like, watching AI like, driven. Yeah, there's kids that content, music videos, and then like I don't even. I mean, I assume that a lot of like when we were growing up, we watched what Nickelodeon and Cartoon Nickelodeon, Network, Disney and Cartoon Network. Right, that's basically it. Those were the two options, and you know, obviously, I don't know what I don't actually see what the kids are watching these days because I don't have kids. But it seems like what I've heard is the general sentiment is that a lot of the things that like you know they're watching now are just like Paw Patrol or like whatever are just totally like fluff. Like there's not a lot of substance to what they're watching. I, I wouldn't say that like I was consuming a bunch of enriching content as a kid, right? Like, I mean, I think that I consumed a lot of like kids media that had like embedded good messages in it, but I'm sure that kids media still has that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, <clears throat> I mean, like Paw Patrol, you know, is like... <laughs> <laughs> you know it's it might be propaganda i'm not sure but it's like i think it's about <laughs> yeah i think it's about like you know appreciating the first responders in a weird way right like mm -hmm. i see like parallels to that with bob the builder which is a show that i grew up yeah you know with and um you know i'm sure they still have like the shows that are like teaching them colors and numbers i mean maybe at shit. the end of, you know what i didn't realize apparently sesame street was like was intended as like this actually really radical like way of trying to educate kids that in yeah. inner cities like I didn't realize that until I saw a TikTok about it recently because yeah. their schools were so bad and they're like well what can we do that like we can use public money for that we can like create a program that actually can give them this education like outside of schools because it seems like a lot of their schools are not doing those jobs well that's cool and it seems like a big success right it does seem like a big success um and to, to your point i think that i think that kids still do watch sesame street mm -hmm. but i think that i mean are you familiar with good mythical morning no good mythical morning is a really big um youtube show that's like og og youtube it's been around for like more than 15 years um and still has a really big following and cookie monster was just on good mythical morning <laughs> <laughs> okay um, so then that would so i can't it definitely seems like i can't tell if that means that they're booming or if it means that they're like trying to like permeate into new audiences or whatever but you know it, they, they still seem to be influential in some way and like elmo and like you know big bird are definitely still things and like now that i think about it michelle obama even had some kind of disney or not disney had some kind of sesame street like show or something right yeah for sure <laughs> yeah Maybe we should have um maybe we should continue this discussion in a different episode. Um we don't have to stop this now, but maybe we should get like a millennial parent to talk about like kids programming now versus like the kids programming that they grew up watching. I mean, maybe it's really like a golden age of kids content in like in other ways. You know, right. maybe like this whole thing I mean, about there like are, the, the YouTube. There is this slew of like YouTube. Yeah, I mean I YouTube is just I mean, it's kind of a fucking free-for-all out there right it's yeah. like a you know there's like ryan's ryan's toys i think is the name of the channel mm -hmm. it's just like it's like the biggest kids channel on youtube and it's just a kid i think like unboxing toys yeah 
And that's not necessarily enriching, but I don't think that all kids content has to be enriching. Right. I think it's what's interesting about it now is that the stakes are, I think, somewhat higher because there are so many like parents who are just parking their kids in front of the TV, like the TV nanny. Yeah, for sure. Right. Do you think that's more present now than it used to be? Because I feel like we were when we were growing up, it was an era of like. You know, it wasn't like the it wasn't like completely pro TV, but I think the the environment that we grew up in was more pro TV than the environment that we're in now. Yeah, but I feel like I still like I don't know went outside. Like you remember when we were so like we went camping together over Labor Day weekend, and a, we were at this well, like maybe RV. We should make a Roaring Point episode. I know <laughs> we were at this like RV park essentially that was like right by the the ocean or not the ocean the bay, and like one of the the people who was there like it's, it's like a lot of retirees that was in this community, but a lot of them were saying the reason why there's not a lot of like middle-aged kids like there's a lot of like young kids but there really weren't a lot of like teenagers or anything there because they're like oh they're all just like playing Fortnite and they don't have any internet access here so you know they don't want to come here right right? that in of itself i think is telling to me i guess yeah i mean do you feel like you were out and about as a teenager like were you like interested in being outside stuff i would say so i mean i definitely wasn't on the computer all the time. I mean, I feel like probably a lot of what used to be TV culture has now just become video game culture. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, I was obviously a big gamer yeah. as a teenager. I'm trying to think about like whether or not I was quote unquote outside a lot. I don't think I was, you know, I think I was just like coming home, you know, playing video games. I hung out with friends sometimes. I didn't really start like enjoying outside until like my late high school years. Mm-hmm. You know, um, is so, that yeah. because that was when you were starting to drive? Yeah, I was. I was starting to drive, and me, my girlfriend at the time, and I were really into like going on nature walks, where we would like go to this part of like the Cape Fear Forest outside of Fayetteville, and just like walk around the woods, you know, and like mm-hmm. you know, I got to be, I got to like go to the beach by myself, and like you know, became like you know, really nurture this like relationship with nature that I wasn't able to do independently before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that like having a, a deep and steady girlfriend through high school helped mitigate a lot of like the depths of gaming that I could have fell into that I didn't, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't remember like spending a ton of time outside before my like junior year in high school. I'm general. I'm generally pretty skeptical of these like comparisons of like, oh, kids these days are so much more blank than blank, except for the ones that seem to be pretty factually true. Like, kids well, there these are days, da- yeah, there's data about it, right? Yeah, you know, there's tons of data that like you know, social media is certainly like affecting kids' mental health, right? Like that's that's facts. Mm-hmm. That's something that they are going through that we didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be more skeptical if there's a sentiment that like kids are getting outside less. But mm-hmm. I mean, it probably is true just because of the, the you know, the the smartphone thing and the having the, the world at your fingertips at all times thing. Maybe it doesn't matter that the kids are not going outside as much. Like maybe at the end of the day, that's going to be I mean, like, obviously, there's this there's like the stuff that they are doing instead. Like there's that cost, that opportunity cost because they're just spending it like scrolling or doing whatever algorithms like want them to do to stay on these platforms right 
Uh huh. But yeah. like, I'm wondering about like do, like the the element of like the storytelling piece of it, like where we started off around like Disney. Like, I would imagine that like you know if you work at Disney that th- you think that the things that you're doing are really like a big deal, right? Uh-huh. Because these are the stories that are going to shape a whole generation of people. Right. And for the most part, like it is, uh, yeah, I guess, do, is there an onus on these companies that like, you know, shape, you know, a lot of people's whole childhoods to be like, not just kind of mindless entertainment, you know? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think to the extent that, to the extent that society allows, yes, right? Like, you know, like just, obviously the best case scenario would be you have a whole community of parents who can all like tell actual stories from like their own lives and have right. it be this wonderful like, you know, camp like experience where you're all just around the fire, like, you know, telling these stories of your youth or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I mean, I think in the same way that like, you know, Facebook has some kind of responsibility to like maintain a good town comments platform you know disney has a responsibility to like tell good good and or enriching um you know children's entertainment stories like i guess if we were in charge of disney right Mm -hmm. i first of all i mean i don't think we could do like a better job because i do think that actually disney does like a great job in a lot of their you know storytelling like they really know they really perfected the art like they really perfected the art of telling a good story yeah i mean they have a lot of data yeah they do have a lot of data they have a lot of data um i mean like is the question like would i change anything that disney's doing i don't know i mean i think that that data thing that you comment you just made made me think about how they could just automate making disney movies in like probably in within our lifetimes and how yeah. I'm sure that would all, all be like the next level of dystopian <laughs> children's content. You I'm know? sure that they could like easily write an algorithm that like at a minimum pulls like, you know, pulls tales from different cultures from Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Like they could like make movies out of, you know, for sure at a minimum. I mean, that's literally um, what the, like because like the stuff that we're decrying on YouTube is the beginning of that process. Right. Because those are all AI generated yeah right yeah and they're like ridiculous but but then it's like well it'll get better and then when they're actually good is there still gonna be like a are we still gonna have a huge issue with it if they're actually good stories even if it's a computer (laughs) creating it yeah that's i've always felt that way about like if you know if are we gonna have i asked the same question about music you know Mm -hmm. like when ai is making a lot of our music is that a thing that we're gonna be if it's like, you know, if you can't tell that it's made not by a human, like if it is really good at replicating that same emotion, are you are like, are we functionally going to care? But and, and you think the answer is what? No, no. I think eventually I think at first, yes. And I think eventually it'll be no, mm-hmm. you know. Um, But as for like the question of like, would I do anything if I was running Disney or anything different if I was like doing the Disney thing? Yeah, I think about like from the entertainment portion about like how I would make the movies. No, you know, I really mm-hmm. wouldn't. I think that, you know, I would ensure like that, like proper profit sharing amongst the different cultures is there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, 
like how do you share money with a whole culture though what do you mean um i think that like you pick you like talk to you know representatives of said culture and you like pick a couple of funds and or nonprofits and or whatever is that they feel most benefits them mm-hmm. and you give money for that i bet they do that i bet they do have like you know foundations that do that kind of thing i'm sure they do i would you know? i'd be shocked if they didn't yeah you know but um you know if they weren't that's a thing that i would do yeah too you know um but yeah i mean i think i think you bring up a good point i don't you know i don't think that i can make like more quote unquote quality or like authentic entertainment, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm sure I would do the same thing that they're doing, which is just like, they're probably just like, you know, hiring people that know more about the culture to write stories based on stories in the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, I think on its face, aside from like the insane profit that they're bringing in, um, you know, it's you know i don't have a ton of ethical issues with that i mean even from the profit standpoint a smaller company wouldn't be able to do as good of a job if we did the antitrust thing and broke up disney right then like they probably wouldn't be able to source as good storytellers from each of these different cultures and like pay them well and be able to actually like do as good a job as they're doing now right yeah it's a great a great point yeah i mean that's that's the argument that uh you know like a friend of mine who works at facebook makes about facebook is they're like yeah you could break up facebook but then a lot of the things that you criticize facebook for not doing as well they would do even worse because they wouldn't have the resources to even try right yeah you know it's hard it's a slippery slope Mm -hmm. right like i mean we don't know obviously like it's all about allocation like you could that's a very easy argument to make no matter what yeah we don't know how they're using their shit you know like Mm -hmm. (laughs) we could like cut zuckerberg's or whoever's like salary in half and have like you know a couple hundred thousand more dollars to play with <laughs> um yeah. so you know but yeah I, I see what you mean it's like it's a hard that's a hard road to even start going down but i agree i the the premise of like you know like disney kind of kind of gets to it kind of gets to like benefit almost off of its dark past right how often do you see companies make that kind of a turnaround i mean you know, I think like I feel like once you're evil, you're pretty much always evil. Like when like have you do you know any <laughs> other major companies that have really turned their their shit around like that? Yes. One. What? Um <laughs> Krispy Kreme. What? Yeah, this is this is a deep cut. <laughs> the- <laughs> okay. <laughs> The creators of Krispy Kreme, like the founders, were like Nazis, like literal <gasps> Nazis. No way. Yeah. And they, they like owned up. They're like, oh yeah, this is true, and we don't fuck with that anymore. Were they yeah. literally using like Jewish slave labor essentially to make their? No, donuts? I don't think it was that deep. I think oh, they're, let me okay. let me look up Krispy Kreme's Nazi history. <laughs> Does Krispy Kreme is that the company that makes like Twinkies and stuff, or is that different? I guess Twinkies. No, is it's different. Okay, so this so this article says Krispy Kreme, our German family that owns Krispy Kreme, admits it profited from Nazi ties. Um. Upon learning that their 
ancestors had relied on forced labor. Their family, their family was ashamed and white as sheets. A spokesperson said one of the wealthiest families in Germany, which owns controlling stakes in such company in such companies as Krispy Kreme donuts, Panera bread and Pete's coffee has admitted that it profited from forced labor during the, during the second world war. So Um, yes. So yeah, it would seem. Yeah. Uh, recent revelations indicate that that the two men who ran the family business in the 30s and 40s, Albert Ryman Sr. and his son Albert Ryman Jr., actively participated in the abuse of their workers. But they, yeah, I mean, this came out. I remember when this came out, and they were like, yeah, uh, we're sorry. And like the spokesperson of the company was like, yeah, those guys are guilty. They but like they're dead. But if they weren't dead, they they be- they would belong in prison. You know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think that, I mean, maybe this like doesn't, you actually, I think it does fit the bill because like when Disney was putting out the, you know, the most problematic of its films, people weren't really mad about it. And like, I think there's a, a, a somewhat of a, of a kindness there. So when like, no one was ever really mad about Krispy Kreme about this stuff. So they got to just be like, they almost got to, like a free bump in saying like, Oh yeah, those guys were Nazis in there, and that's not cool. Like we don't like that anymore. Yeah, you know? and now and now I get to eat Krispy Kreme with an even cleaner conscience because <laughs> I get you know I get to say because like, this just is, because they acknowledged it. Basically. Yeah, they acknowledge it, and this is like a reformed company now. You know, mm-hmm. and while there was no like acknowledgement out of Disney, or maybe there was, I don't know, um, that like some of their older stuff was like a little problematic or very problematic, whatever. Um, you know, they just get to, they get to rely on like the perception and the message that their movies are putting out to portray them as a company. Yeah. You know, and we all get to be like, wow, Milan is a great film. Mm-hmm. Good job. Wow. You acknowledged your Nazi roots. Good job. Mm-hmm. And there's an extra even like. <laughs> There's an extra connection here because, I mean, it wasn't like the original Walt Disney, a huge anti-Semite. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So. As, the more I talk about it, the more I feel like this Krispy Kreme comparison is pretty apt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's the only one I can really think of. Yeah. Well, there's actually like plenty of companies that kind of like fall into that Nazi category, right? Like Volkswagen. Volkswagen People still want, yeah. buy, buy Volkswagen. Yeah, right? I guess you could lump them in there. Pfizer. Too. Yeah. Pfizer's a hero now. <laughs> right? <laughs> that might be the biggest turnaround campaign of all time. I know. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they get to be like, oh, yeah, we saved so many lives. Which is true. Like, Which it's a kind of a nuanced thing, man. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. it's funny because, like, if Krispy Kreme can come back from literally <laughs> having slaves, basically, <laughs> um, I'm just imagining the other things that people get canceled for. Like, just ima- like compare that to Louis C.K. like masturbating in front of a bunch of women. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, and then people get really mad about that. Yeah. You know? I mean- you know what's one racist tweet if you like save millions of lives like mm-hmm. if bill if we figured out bill gates you know was saying or doing some problematic stuff what would we do because he's like literally saved millions if not billions of people 
<laughs> I mean, I'm sure people would still give him shit for it. And maybe he would listen. Hopefully he would listen. Maybe. Right. But this is why, like, the whole notion of cancellation is kind of, like, you know, interesting, right? Because there are definitely people doing really good shit who are probably, who are surely problematic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Elon is a great, yeah, a great example of this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm now, like, I'm not, I'm not feeling a little bit proud of that Krispy Kreme thing. uh what else is what else are you are you doing right now what's what's your what's like taking up your time well i've been hardcore networking trying to find investor for my business and i got my first like truly organic client today from this woman who I just went to this like sort of business roundtable type event and I was like, yeah, this is what I do. We were all like workshopping how I can market my like end of life guide business. And one of the people there was just like, oh, I really need this service. Like, you know, I would love to, you know, pay you to help me plan my end of life stuff and get everything in order. And I'm like, wow, that's great. That's cool. Yeah. That's a organic client. Do you have any, yep. how many inorganic clients do you have? Well, those are all B2B clients. So it's kind Got of, do, it. I'm doing something kind of different for them. Um, I have an ad that's coming out tomorrow in the Philadelphia Symphony Orchestra work. So that that will be the first test of whether any of my actual marketing like does anything or not, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I just got a PS5 first and foremost. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> what games do you have? I have... Um, I have NBA 2K23. Um, I have UFC 4, which is an, a PS4 game that I just transferred over. I have the new Horizon game, Horizon, like the Great West or something like that, um, which is the game where you like shoot arrows at the robot dinosaurs. Um, I have uh, the Mass Effect Legend, Legendary Edition remake, which is amazing. Yeah, and you know, I'm definitely like in that stage where you first get a new thing, especially in the So you're just playing it nonstop. All I want to do is play it. When I'm not playing it, I'm like, damn, I wish I was playing PS5 right now. Yeah. (laughs) So um that's fun. And I got a new job that I'm not gonna talk about because um my new job would be mad if they if I talked about them on air. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um (laughs) uh but that's exciting too. Um but yeah, a lot of my time right now is going to PS5. PS5 and climbing. That's what I'm doing a lot of right now. Awesome. Um, cool. Well, as always, you can find us at I'm the Villain Pod. That's our Gmail, that's our Twitter, and that's our Instagram. Otherwise, bye. <laughs> <laughs>